It's um, Wednesday night. Uh, this is Chaim Bravender of the Rav Yeshiva, and I'm glad to see and hear that you're here. Um, I, I want to deal with a really difficult question today, a question that uh, bothers us so much that we tend to ignore it entirely. And that's the question of the Sa'ir Azazel, the goat that's sent out on Yom HaKippurim, and who and the parasha in in Achremot, the parasha in Achremot discusses and presents this information to us as though it was perfectly reasonable, but we know that it's not so reasonable, and we don't understand why there could be an important sacrifice that's not given in the Beit Hamikdash. Not given in the Beit Hamikdash. We don't understand what Goralot, what the the pious the uh, uh, has to do with uh, what's going on on Yom Kippurim. So, uh, just a second. So let's look at a few psukim first. Look at a few psukim. The Kohen Gadol is told. If you see on the sheet. The Begoyen Gadol is told, may eight adat b'nei Yisrael, the community of Israel, from them, yikach shnei si'irei izim, you take two goats. Two. Lechatat, and they will serve the chatat, for the sin offering. Va'ayin ayin echad le'ola, and one ram for uh, uh, a sacrifice that is going to be uh, completely consumed in fire. Now this pasuk is not so special, not so unique, and we can get through it. But pasuk vav already begins the problem. He has to sacrifice the bull that is the sin offering for him. is a trick. Aaron is going to somehow uh, uh, atone for all the sins of his household and for himself. He doesn't really have to say anything, right? He just says, as we know, I've done all kinds of bad things and I want atonement and I'm promised atonement. Okay. Uh, you know, you would think that uh, that you could only be atoned for those sins that you mention, but here, in fact, you don't mention anything. You just keep about. You say chatati. I mean, that's a general statement. Why does he get away with that general statement? The next pasuk. I'm sorry. At parachatata shelo, Rashi says this is a continuation of a previous pasuk. And teaches us who he brings it from his own. But it does not come from does not come from the tzibur from the does not come from the tzibur. Rashi says he should confess his sins and the sins of his of the people in his household. And we don't understand. I mean, what is it? He, he made a list 
of all his sins? I mean, how does it work exactly? Isn't it true that if a person sins anytime during the year, he should immediately look for a way of gaining atonement and not save it up for Yom HaKippurim? Or what exactly is he saving up for Yom HaKippurim? Then Pasuk Zion, then Pasuk Zion says, Ah, here we go back to those two goats. And you stand them up before God. That the opening of that of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, also called OMOA, the tent of meeting. And so so here we go. It's Yom Kippurim. He's brought his korban chatat, which he brought with his own money. He seeks atonement for himself and for the household that he is part of. And then he turns to the goats. He puts them up. Hashem, I guess, facing some very significant place in the Beit HaMikdash. Lifnei Hashem. Right in that spot, the spot that represents looking at the holy of holies, so to speak. These two goats, they're part of the day. They become part of the kahuna of the priesthood. These goats. Then we're up to Pasuk uh, Chet. Pasuk Chet. Benatan Aaron Goralot. He placed uh, a pious, a pious, I'm forgetting the word, I forget words from time to time. It's one of the sure signs of old age. He placed this pious on top of the heads of the goats. We don't know why one is for God. And what is for Azazel? We've never heard about Azazel. Who's Azazel? But before we get to Azazel, why do I need two? Why do we need two goats? Isn't it true that if I had one and I placed it, took it out with one hand, so the other one would be the other, right? If I had one, I took out one of these pitakim, one of these little pieces of paper that said something on it. It said, it said, uh, uh, God. So the other one is Azazel, or the opposite. I mean, why do I need two? Well, no answer to that question. Rashi says, Do you see that, Rashi? There you go. These two goats, one is right and one to the left of the Kohen Gadol. Right? And he puts his two hands into the kind of wherever these pitakim, these pieces of paper are being kept. Vinotel goral biyamin. The chaverov as well. He takes one out with his right hand. He takes another one out with his left hand. Right? Not too tricky. Not too complicated. This is the way the, the way you do it. Vinotein alehem. And you put these two pieces of paper on the heads of the goats. 
can't imagine how the goats are not going to be moving around here. But I guess they trained the goats, so they made sure that the goats would be able to stand still. So one is gets the Lashem note, and the other gets the Azazel note, right? The Echikadubal Azazel, the one that says Azazel to Azazel, Mishtaleach la Azazel. You send it to Azazel. What has that got to do with anything? How can you send it to Azazel? How can you send it? Let's say Azazel's name of place. So he says, you, goat, you're not for us here in the Beit HaMikdash. I mean, you're here at the moment, but you're on your way. We are on your way to Azazel. And the various sources tell us that Azazel was a bad place, a hard place. And the and this this goat is going to fall down and kill himself. Rashi says, Azazel, you see Rashi? Ayahar Oz Vikasheh. It was a hard kind of mountain, soak, like a high precipice. Shidemar, Rademar, Eretz Gizeira, Katucha, a place that the earth was cut up. It was like hard to trans transgress to 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 go from one side to the other it was hard to avoid falling and cracking your head open and so we just got rid of this goat for the azazel i mean why did we get rid of him so aaron does what he's supposed to do with the goat that's in the Beit HaMikdash, and he becomes a sin offering, right? Rashi says, Okay, Rashi, Rashi's watching those words in the Pesuk carefully, and he's saying what the Pesuk says is, you have to say, you're a chatat, you, the Sa'ir that's left, you think you're getting away with something? No, you're going to be slaughtered soon, but your slaughtering is going to be Kedusha. It's going to be sanctity. Whereas the other goat that's going to be released to Eretz Gezeira, to that land that Rashi says is, is difficult, harsh, uh, you'll be unable to transfer yourself from one place to another, that's what Rashi says. So the other guy, he's really going to be in trouble because he's going to die an unsavory death. You, however, you meaning the Sa'ir that is brought as a chatat in the Beit HaMikdash, you, you're going to be involved with sanctity. You're involved in sanctity, and he's your Ahmad Chai. He will be standing Alive. It's like Rashi says, somebody else forced him to stand there. He got up while he's still alive. I don't know why he was sent. So somehow Rashi derives 
that the point is we're going to send this Sa'ir to Azazel in order that he should die. That's what Rashi says. That's what Yomad Chai, until he's sent away. The last, the last pasuk, and then the last pasuk says, pasuk yud, asair asher la la bagoral azazel yomad chay lifnei Hashem lechaper alav that he this this sair which is going to be sent to azazel yomad chay you could just let him stand there for a while. Lefnei Hashem lechaper alav in order to kind of induce some sort of atonement. Lishalach oto lazazel hamidbara. Where is azazel? Nowhere. Nowhere. It's a place that you can't live in, a place that you can't build in, a place that nobody is involved with. You can't really be there. They send the sa'ir. I mean, there's a lot of image here. I could imagine. But I don't hear it in the Torah. I don't understand what exactly is going on on Yom HaKippurim. And more than that, more than that, I don't understand how this relates to us. Because even though there's no Beit HaMikdash, even though there's no Beit HaMikdash, we all know that the Rambam said, even though there's no Beit HaMikdash, Yom HaKippurim still works. The Rambam said it. It still works, meaning that Tshuva works. That's what the Rambam says. It, even today, when we're missing all of the elements, all the elements that went into Yom Kippur in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, they, it's all there. It's all there in the Torah. And we don't have it. But we still have a dependency upon that. And we agree that Tshuva continues to work. And we don't understand where the Rambam got that from? I mean, how does Rambam know? I mean, he was, he was a great scholar and a tremendous Talmud Chochel, and he was a person with wide-ranging knowledge. But how does he know that, that even though there's no Sa'ir, Lashem, and there's no Sa'ir, Lazazel, and there are all the things that the Torah tells us that we have to be involved with, we don't have. How does Rambam know that that, that doesn't matter? That's what the Rambam said. That doesn't matter. Why does it not matter? Why doesn't it matter? So let's first try to understand what the Sa'ir Lazazel is. And to begin with, I will just tell you what the Rambam says. The Rambam says in the Moran Nebuchim, in the Moran Nebuchim, just a second. Oh, Ezra, could you change the, the, the page? I'm sorry. Oh, terrific. The Rambam had a certain theory about korbanot, about sacrifices. We can't get into the whole his whole theory uh, today, but it's in the third part of the guide, uh, chapter 46. Chapter 46, as you know, you know, the Rambam, the Rambam had a, a very comprehensive vision of things. He knew a lot of different things and he managed to put them together, put them together. So he had this idea about Korbanot. The idea about Korbanot was this, the first line in the document that's on the screen, the greater the sin which a person has committed, 
the lower was the species from which the sin offering was brought. In the Torah, in the Torah, there are a lot of different sin offerings that are mentioned. Each sin had a, a sin offering. And interestingly, they're not all the same. The animals that you bring are not always the same for a sin for a sin offering. So he said the lower was the species, the, the, the greater the sin, the greater the sin which a person has committed, comma, the lower was the species from which the sin offering was born. We know that the Greeks also had this idea of higher and lower and based on, on one thing or another. That doesn't interest me right now. What interests me is the fact that the Ramam thought there was a theoretical underpinning for all of these kinds of, how all these uh, korbanot that are mentioned, all these sacrifices that are, that are mentioned. So the offering for worshiping idols in ignorance was only a she-goat. In other words, worshiping idols, that's a big deal. In ignorance, ignorance means it was shogeg. It was something that you you didn't know. You just didn't know what the, but it's only a she-goat. While for other sins, an ordinary person brought either a ewe lamb or a she-goat. The was uh, uh, the females bring as a rule in every species inferior to the males or the animals. So if you bring a a female, it's a lower form than if you bring a a, a, a a male. Continuing, he says, there is no greater sin than idolatry and also no inferior species than a she-goat. You see, he's got this, this idea. The offering of a king for sins committed ignorantly was a he-goat as a mark of distinction. And he goes on, he goes on in that way. Uh, by by trying to explain to us that there's uh, a lot of seichel, a lot of intelligence that went into the chapters in the Torah about uh, about uh, sacrifices. And in this chapter 46, he goes through all of the sacrifices that we know about and explains how they fit into this idea that he has. Uh, Ezra, can you give me the next page, please? Oh, okay. And then he also says, our sages say, the second, this paragraph, our sages say that the offering for the eighth day of dedication was a calf, a young bullock for a sin offering in order to atone for the sin of the Israelites of making a golden calf. It was he, he uh, accepts the idea. He has accepted that there are sins that you carry around with you. Let's say the golden calf. I mean, the people we're talking about, they didn't do it. They're the children and the grandchildren of the people who did it. But there's some sins that you kill and you carry around with you and there could be. It could be that this uh, that this sins, uh, these sins that you carry around with you are just sins that you couldn't really get atonement for. You couldn't get that there is such a thing. There is such a thing as not getting atonement. 
I'm not talking about people who don't want atonement. I'm talking about people who want atonement. You just can't get atonement for the sin of the golden calf. I mean, you could try. You could bring an animal. You could sacrifice that animal. You could get that kind of a, but you can't get atonement. You can't get full atonement, right? Can't get full full atonement. Uh, and so he goes on with all of these, uh, all of these things. Could, could you get me the next page? Uh, uh, is this the next page? Yeah, page four. You want page three or four? No. Th what? A, one second. Let me find it. Let's see. Let's see. This is page. This is page four. Uh, okay, just one second. Uh, page three, I think. Page three. Okay, page three. Okay. Yeah, one second, one second. Here. Our sages say that the offering on the eighth day of dedication was a calf, a young bullock, for a sin offering in order to atone for the sin of the Israelites in making a golden calf. The suffering which brought was brought the sin offering. Here you listen to this. The sin offering, which was brought on the Day of Atonement, that's what we're talking about. The sin offering brought on the Day of Atonement, first by the Kohen Gadol, first by the high priest, and then in the name of all the people, the two goats, right? Tehidotol was likewise explained as being an atonement for that sin. It was, you just can't stop atoning. That's the sin that's brought on Yom Kippurim. From this argument of our sages, I deduce that the uh, I deduce that the goats were always brought as sin offerings by individual people and also by whole congregation, right on on special days and for idolatry, because most of the transgressions and sins of the Israelites were sacrificed to spirits. Seirim, the goats, as clearly stated, they shall no longer offer their sacrifices unto spirits. Our sages, however, explain that the fact that goats were always the sin offering of the congregation is an allusion to the, to the sin of the whole congregation of Israel. For in the account of the selling of the pious Joseph, we read, and he killed a kid of the goats. Uh, one second. Here. And, the ch and my sin is ever before me. The above-mentioned sin offerings, including the Yom Kippur sin offerings, show us that when we commit a sin, our children and children of our children require atonement 
for that sin by some kind of service analogous to the sin committed. So there you have it. The Rambam says, the Rambam says that the sin offering that you bring, uh, you bring it for the atonement of what your father did and your grandfather did, and it's going to be passed on to your children. That's one thing that the Rambam says. And another thing that the Rambam says is that it's important to do that. It's important to do that because we have to know that somehow we, we're okay. And I want to, I was trying to think to myself, like, what is the Rambam talking about? What is the Rambam talking about? And so I think that, that what the Rambam means to say is, a person could find himself on Yom Kippurim. A person could find himself on Yom Kippurim in a totally depressed kind of situation. Because here, what is he doing on Yom Kippurim? He's asking God for, for atonement. But here you see there are things that we can't ask atonement for, that we have to pay the price forever. And there's a pasuk in the Torah that says that. The, the, the uh, Avera of the Egel Azachav the transgression of the golden calf, it's forever. It's forever. Every year we, we bring it up, we bring the the sa'ir as a khatat, we bring that goat, and, and Akadish Baruch says, okay, but not okay. Okay, but not okay. So this idea, this idea that like there are two things that we have to understand. We have trouble we have trouble with the Egel Azahav, and we also have trouble enumerating our sins. And somehow Yom Kippurim, somehow Yom Kippurim takes care of that problem. And how does it take care of that problem? We, we have to think about that. It seems to me, it seems to me that if you come on Yom Kippurim, if a person comes on Yom Kippurim to stand before God and he says to himself and he shares it with heaven, he says, I've done a lot of wrong. I have done plenty of things that I should not have done. And I can enumerate some of them. But the really terrible thing about my standing here before God is that I know that I've done a lot of wrong that I don't remember. I can't even ask for forgiveness for the things that I've done that I, I, I don't remember at all. I don't remember them at all. But I know that they're there. I know that they're there. Imagine standing in the, in the Beit HaMikdash so all of the Jewish people are kind of connected to what's going on there. And the Kohen Gadol is supposed to go and ask for atonement, forgiveness for the entire people. And he comes to this conclusion, he realizes the fact that there's an endless number of sins that are unknown. They're unknown, they're just there. They're just there, they're part of, they're part of the, the reality of things. We don't know what to do about that. So the Torah says, the Torah says there are two 
There were two primary variants. Sacrifices. There's a sacrifice that we can deal with. We can deal with that. And that's a sacrifice, the individual sacrifice. The sacrifices for B'nai Yisrael, the sacrifices for the Kohen Gadol and his family. Okay, that's okay because we can recognize those transgressions and we can speak to God and ask for forgiveness. And we can send our representative, the Egel, the, the Aron HaKohen, the great priest, the high priest, and we can say to him, you represent us. Ask for forgiveness on our, uh, our basis. But, but in fact, in fact, there's another side to it. And this the Rambam says, I just wasn't able to find. I'm able to find it. But, but it, it doesn't matter, I can tell you the Rambam says, remember at the beginning, the Rambam says, great Avera, lesser animal, right? Great Avera, a single Avera, a single transgression. But what if there are endless numbers of Averas? What if there's no way to count them? What if there's no way to know them? What if there's no way to deal with the Averas that you forgot? that you're not able to recognize, <laughs> you're not able to speak to God about. What about those Averis? So the Torah tells us, and the Rambam also, if you dig at the Rambam a little bit, you'll see it there. The Rambam says, <coughs> says the Sa'ir Lazazel carries the Averis. You don't know them. You don't know what they are. You can't ask for forgiveness for things that you don't know. And the Beit HaMikdash itself, according to the Ramah, can't contain more than the Averas of single people, the known Averas. So those Averas got to go out. They leave you and, and there's a process. We talk to the people, we turn to the people, the Kohen Gadol says, it's true. That it's not clear that you can that you can atone for averot for transgressions that you don't remember, but the sa'ir hamishdaleach lazazel, the goat that's being sent away to azazel, oh, oh, that's where those averes go. All those averes are on the head of the sa'ir lazazel. He's not going to be sacrificed. Because sacrifice demands awareness. It demands clarity. It demands something where you know exactly what you want. But we understand, the Torah says, that people need a way of expiation. They have a way, they need a way of, of removing the onus, the burden of, sac of, of, of guilt from themselves. And that's the Sa'ir Lazazel. And the Rambam who said, you know, we only have tshuva, the Rambam said, tshuva, take care of everything. But we know also that on Yom HaKippurim, we say the vidui. Vidui, we confess. What do we confess to? On Yom, on, on, on Yom HaKippurim. Well, what do we confess to? Aha, we confess to everything. 
every there isn't a thing that we don't confess to. Remember, we have the vidui, the confession, the short confession. What is that? Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalit, Hey, and the image of the alphabet. It's not that hard to think of the alphabet as being the total. All the A's, all the B's, all the Gimels, all the Bet, all the Gimel, all the Dalit, all of those Averis are in that little tune that we sing. But then, that's not enough. We say it. We say it not katsar, we say it arof. We say the long confession. Right? We don't say we did it. We can't say that we did it, but we can list every single Avera that could be said, and we say those Averas. So that's where the Sa'ir Azazel is replaced by Bitfila. And the Ramam said, the Ramam said, Chuva. Shuva is everything. It's what makes it possible for us to go on, to to look back and say, I'm leaving all of that behind. But it's not true only about those transgressions that you know about. It's also true about those transgressions that you've forgotten about, that you don't know anything about because you say, and goes back, I think, to the Sa'ir Azazel, to that goat that is sent out to Azazel and, and, and can't be contained within the apparatus of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, or later on the Beit HaMikdash. It can't be done. It can't be done. You need a Sa'ir Azazel. And what we have, right, as we do in most, most things that we're missing, or many things that we're missing, we have words that replace the deeds. But we have to understand what those words are doing. We have to understand why we say those words in the way we say them. And so we know that on Yom Kippurim, there was an important role that was played by the Sa'ir Azazel, that goat that was sent out to Azazel, and that road was to take all the transgressions, forgotten, unknown, not yet able to use in the Beit HaMikdash, the process of atonement in the Beit HaMikdash was for those things that I could point to, those things that I know about. Sa'ir Lazazel included all of those other transgressions, the ones that I don't know about, the ones that I can't point to, the ones that I can't even justify myself about. And it morphed in our the way we daven, into the entire alphabet, which is everything. And the longer we do it, the alchet, alchet, etc., right? Also alphabetically arranged, alphabetically arranged, but a little clearer as a statement. But again, we don't know. We say them all because we don't know where we fit in. And yet, we insist that it is possible to attain uh, atonement for the things that we did, even for those things we forget and cannot mention in the in the tefillah itself. All the best. Have a wonderful Shabbos. See you next week. Call to.